Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Irish Mike's Podcast, where we capture stories we like and think you will enjoy too. This episode is brought to you by our little farm, Lake Joy Farmstead. Yes, you heard that right. We have a little farm east of Seattle near Lake Joy and Carnation. You can find out more information about our upcoming classes, beef and pork shares, and our little farm store where we merge our blacksmith trading products into at www.lakejoyfarmstead.com. Always remember, too, that you can find out this episode plus all the others at irishmikesmith.com forward slash podcast. Today, our guest is Bill and Beth Fishburn, who are in the process of fulfilling their dream, starting a brewery. We cover the early years of home brewing, beer in the Pacific Northwest in general, and their new project, Six Pennies Brewery, being built in Rainier, Washington, and also their unique way of getting you to be a part. All right. Well, uh, Bill and Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so so excited to have you. I remember years ago, um, we did some, uh, some beer writing together, Mm -hmm. right? You had, uh, yeah. Put you to work tasting all kinds of beers. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Talking to brewers and visiting breweries. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I still have a bunch of those posts on my Irish Mike website. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny the um, the beer and the way you write about beer is, um, you know, fantastic. I, I still think oh, about nice. some of those beers, uh, that, um, you had tasted and I've went gone out when I found them, you know, yeah. where I live, I live up, uh, uh, now in Carnation, but was in Issaquah for a long time. And I think when we met, I might've even been in Spokane at the time. Might've been. So, yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. And what's cool is that you're related to one of my old classmates. I went to yeah. St. Pat's and G Prep, right, with Gene Cleveland. Yeah. Gene Crofts. Now Gene Crofts. Yeah. Yeah. And what's kind of fun on that connection is, um, besides the uh, St. Pat's um, G Prep, uh, her mother—I probably told you this years ago—was my first den mother as a Cub Scout. <laughs> oh, I don't think yeah. I remember that. That is Irene. awesome. I, Irene Cleveland. Yeah. Her house was just, uh, you probably remember it as a kid, um, you know, a couple of blocks away from the school. Um, my house right. was in the opposite direction. My sister and I walked nine blocks, rain or shine, to St. Pat's. And <laughs> uh, the, we didn't have busing. Yeah. Yeah, no busing. No. Yeah, my, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I told you this, but, uh, you know, my Aunt Irene and all of her brothers and sisters, including my dad, they all went to St. Pat's as well. Oh, I didn't know and, they went as and, well. Uh, G Prep. Uh, except for the first three daughters, I think, went to Holy Names Academy. Sure. So our first three aunts, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it was my youngest three aunts that ended up going to G Prep when it turned co-ed. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. My mom was uh, went to Mary Cliff. She and mm-hmm. one of her sisters, my mom uh, was one of uh, 11 brothers and sisters. They also grew up in Hilliard, uh, St. Pat's, and uh, boys went to G Prep. Uh, girls, two of them, like I said, went to Mary Cliff, and the rest went to Rogers. Oh, well, wow. yeah. so that neighborhood is, you know, in the bloodstream for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing great things. Apparently in Hilliard, they've uh, updated some of the, some of the main streets to be more kind of parking friendly. Um, okay. And uh, they're not really junk stores anymore. There, there's a lot of really cool antique uh, shops and even some restaurants that are oh, wow. Uh, wow. coming into to that old neighborhood that I used to ride my quick, bike is, in. Is it, uh, <laughs> you know, it suffered years of having a really rough, kind of reputation so totally yeah that's where we used to joke that we didn't grow up on either side of the tracks we grew up on the tracks mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right my house was so small that when we ordered a large pizza we had to eat outside 
Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, well, this is exciting. Okay. So Bill and Beth, you, um, well, I, before we get into this exciting project, I do want to ask you um, kind of just some background. I know you're, you're a home brewer, mm-hmm. uh, hobby, hobbyist, things like that. T- tell me, take me through your guys' interest in beer, uh, home brewing in particular first, right. Right. Uh, because I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I started home brewing in college. Uh, a buddy of mine and I were roommates up in the university district at University of Washington. And, uh, we were not of legal drinking age yet, but we really liked beer. And so one of us had a subscription to Rolling Stone magazine. And in the back of Rolling Stone magazine was an ad for a home brew kit. So you could buy this, this brewing bucket and some yeast and some grains and or, uh, extract, I guess, and mix up a batch of beer in your own kitchen. And you didn't have to be 21 to buy that stuff. So we thought, oh, we got to give this a go. So we split the cost of this thing, you know, scraped together enough money that we uh, could afford this home brew kit and it showed up and then we never really used it. And when I moved out, uh, my, my roommate wasn't too interested in it. So he just said, you take it. That's fine. You know, I don't need it. Uh, we, I, I brewed my first batch of beer in, in graduate student housing, graduate student family housing at the University of Washington on an electric stove in a, in a very small kitchen. Uh, Beth was there for that. It was a really terrible brown ale. Um, it was overcarbonated and probably infected, but by God, I drank the whole case. And I, from that moment on, I was hooked. It was just this, you know, this thing that I had to do. I knew that brewing was uh, kind of in me somewhere. So, uh, God, we probably didn't get another batch out until that was like right at the beginning of my last year of, or second last year. Anyway, might've been like another summer, a year later. Um, I, I made another batch. Turns out there was a little home brew shop literally just up the street, like two blocks from that apartment. And um, by that point, I was of age, but I thought this is this this is just too much fun. It's just too much of a kick to be able to go from, you know, these raw ingredients to something that I enjoy drinking. And since that first one was kind of a failure, I'm going to get there. I'm going to make it something worth drinking. So, yeah, I started growing. You, you said this was still you were living in the uh, the U district at the time. Yes. Still, yep. yeah. Yep. yeah. That's awesome. Is that a a brew supply store still there? I know there's one, but in uh, I guess the closest one to that, that I can think of is near Green Lake. Is that, is that the one you're referring to? No, this one was, um, this was literally just off of, what is that? What's that street? It's 45th. No, no, University. I think, I think it's just off of 45th, kind of behind U Village. um, And yeah the street that we lived on turned into like Mary Gates way or something. So it was just up, it was a little bit North on Mary Gates way across 45th from there and a uh, little hole in the wall, you know, center block shop type building. And he didn't compared to today's home brew shops. He did not have much. I mean, you could buy some glass bottles from him. You could buy some extracts. I don't even know. I don't remember that he had grains in there. I think he was an all extract shop and most of it was pre-canned. So, you know, very early homebrew days. This, would, this probably would have been about 1990-ish, I think. Is that when you were at the UW, was 90? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I was there in 92 to 96. I'm not sure why you never said hello. <laughs> yeah. 
Likewise, <laughs> oh, I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I graduated in '93, and one of those years that I was there, um, I I did an internship at a little engineering company down on Bullock Field. So that's yeah. awesome. Okay, so where did it go from there? You just kept as a hobby. And... I just kept going. I kept making it. You know, I made. Uh, geez, I brew what maybe a half dozen or a dozen times a year uh, over the years. Uh, we kept it. I kept it up through grad school. Um, my brother got into home brewing uh, sometime, you know, not very long after I did. And he came down one time and he's like, I made this blackberry stout. And he brought us a bottle. Uh, and so at that point, I was at Cal Berkeley going to grad school. I had these huge blackberry patches out in the community garden. So I decided I was going to make a blackberry stout, which turned out, turned out pretty good. But oh, my gosh, that stuff stained like you would not believe. If you drip just a little bit on your clothes, that was it. So. <laughs> Grad school, uh, making uh, beer off Telegraph Avenue. I'm sure that's never exactly. happened before. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So as you you get older, you're uh, you you build you're, you started a family, yep. um, and but as a hobby, you continue to to make beer. So the evolution in my mind goes from kind of the canned stuff, uh, and then buying starting to buy uh, the hops, um, and maybe grinding even some of your own grain. Yeah. Is that true? Did you get into yeah, that to that level? Absolutely. The uh the, you know, the projection or the evolution of it start out with canned extracts and then <clears throat> think, okay, well, maybe I want to do, you know, an infusion mash. So you get a pound or two of grains to try to up your, your, uh, extract game. And then, you know, the next batch is maybe, well, maybe I want to do more, more grains and less extract pretty soon. <clears throat> you know, you've invested in an ice chest and drilled some holes in it and, Let's put a manifold in the bottom and you've got a mash ton and now you're doing all grain beers. Uh, and that was, that's exactly what I did until, you know, I got tired of making five gallon batches and going through it too fast. So <laughs> I've got one that, that I can make, I can make a full, you know, 14 gallon batch out of it. I just need a bigger boil kettle. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, and then the other, you keep replacing parts, right? Isn't that how it yeah. goes? You go from the war oh, cooler with the coil uh, I have, I think I've had one system where it literally somebody had given it to me um, and it was a garden hose wrapped um, <laughs> uh, with a wrapping around it of like some sort of steel, you know, braided, yeah. you know, covering over it. And that was their, you know, their work. Yep. Color, right. Um, and then now, then you get the sparge, you know, the, you know, thing that twists around and, you know, I mean, all kinds of fun stuff right now. You can buy, I think a kit for like a thousand bucks, maybe if it's less. Yeah. So beer sculptures and, and brew stands and, yeah, you know, none of that stuff was available. It was all, and, and I, I probably will never invest in one of those just to be honest, cause I'm just a, a DIY kind of guy. Right. Got it. That's one of the things I think that really attracted us to homebrew was we can start from scratch. And I mentioned that the community garden, you know, we've, we've always had a garden of some kind because we just like to do that from the scratch. Uh, sort of thing and <clears throat> and uh, it continues on into my home brew stuff every every piece of equipment I have uh, I've pretty much built with the exception of my plate my plate chiller which I, I bought so so you that's when you got fancy yeah yeah I got, <laughs> you know ball valves and stuff I try to buy the commodity level pieces but you know right right did you make some uh, friends along the way I assume um, oh, other like-minded people who yeah, like to brew beer I I've been in a, in a home, once we got to Olympia and or actually moved to Lacey right next to Olympia back in 90, 96. 
So after grad school, we were in Oregon for a year and then got up to Lacey, Olympia. Uh, you know, it was a couple more years before I finally found a homebrew club. And the homebrew club um, has been, it's been a really great thing. A lot of, a lot of folks like, a lot of like-minded folks, you know, able to share recipes and methodologies and, uh, you know, equipment sometimes we, we do, it's, well, we're going to come back to this thing a little bit later, but it really is a community, right? The, a homebrew community. And I think even when I was writing, we saw that with the brewers that I was interviewing, right? It's <clears throat> that beer, uh, beer builds community. So definitely have seen that here in Olympia and uh, can, to this day, I continue to be a part of that homebrew club and do things like pro project manage their barrel projects. We've done three or four barrel projects right now that are, to this point that uh, I've managed and uh, guys in the club, we've gotten, uh, there's at least two different uh, sets of guys that have moved out of the club and started their own brewing. I say moved out of the club, that they're still members of the club. They come to meetings when they can, but they're also professional brewers now. So they have their own show. They have their own show. Yeah. Headless Mumby in, in uh, Olympia. So wow. shout out to Alex and Keith over at Headless Mumby. And then uh, John, uh, John Christofferson at Ho River Brewery over in, uh, it's kind of near SPSCC, South Puget Sound Community College. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. They graduated from the home. They graduated. Brewery. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, we're going to get into the community part a little bit further, but Beth, I know you're, you're, you're there. You, you share the same interest. This is not like, you know, um, you know, the guy on Saturday, you're, you're, you're into this too. Well, I'm not into it at the same level that Bill is into it. I brewed some, I'm, I'm supporting a dream that he has had for the brewery part, but we both like the idea of, of a community brew pub thing. And the do it yourself and the draw everything, do everything from scratch and bring people in kind of aspect. I love that. That's cool. Um, I think a lot of people wishes their spouse was more behind their home brewing. Um, <laughs> there are moments I can tell you where I wasn't altogether sure. You know, so that's actually, honey, you, you've been there since day one. So don't don't sell yourself short. Uh, Mike, one of the things that I don't talk about a lot is this terrible tragedy that I had <laughs> in my early days of brewing. We were in our rental house in Oregon. Oh, that was awful. Um, and I had made a big batch of, of oatmeal stout, or, you know, it was a five gallon batch of oatmeal stout. Um, I was on night shifts at that point, working for a high tech company. And I was in manufacturing. So I, I, I was on night shift as a manufacturing supervisor, but I came home and decided I'm gonna stay up and I'm gonna make my, my beer. So I made this batch of, uh, Pretty, uh, pretty thick, pretty rich oatmeal stout. And um, I put my carboy and thought this has to cool before I can put yeast in it. And in my very, you know, sleepy, exhausted kind of state, I, I took that carboy, put it in the kitchen sink full of cold water. So I've got piping hot, it's not, you know, it's, it's come down from boil at this point, probably 180, 190 degrees Fahrenheit. I stuck that whole carboy right into this cold water bath. You can imagine what happened. I can. All I heard was this tink. 
<laughs> I watched the, the water in the sink started turning dark. I was like, oh, that's not supposed yes. to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just went, Whoa. and uh, I had five gallons of uh, probably a little, a little bit less than five gallons, but it was a mixture of, you know, five gallons of beer and cold water up over the kitchen sink, down onto the floor, down the counter fronts, across under, the kitchen. Under the stove, under the refrigerator. <laughs> you know. And being an oatmeal stout, you said, right? Yeah. Well, it's going to, it's going to be a little, little thicker, a little, little, you know, a little extra yeah. in that. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. That's awesome. But that's it, what it. That's what it takes sometimes is to go through some of that to go, oh, I got to think about that a little bit yeah. more. And then you get kind of and what I appreciate about home brewing or any DIY like hobbies and things like that. What, even if you're like woodworking is there's a there's like a nerd nerdery factor, mm -hmm. right? Where mm -hmm. you just you, you consume yourself with it and then you, and you stay up late at night uh, sometimes and you can, you're like, why can I sleep? Because you're thinking about fixing what right. just happened uh, the right. last time you did that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you get the, it right. the, the, you know, the great thing about Beth is I, and her, her dad was visiting yeah, my dad for was some there. reason he was, he was in town and um, she heard that noise and she came in to see what was happening. I think I was literally crying at the, at the sink, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of in shock watching this stout pour everywhere. And she goes, honey, just go to bed. I've got this. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. That is, I did it. My dad helped. That's the ultimate partner. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to say something, one more thing about the homebrew side, because um, uh, with the rise of the internet, right? I mean, I was, you know, we're roughly the same age. I went to the, you know, school roughly the same time. Um, you know, there were a lot of uh, brew shops and brew supply stores yeah. uh, around. And of course, with the, with the internet and things like that, they don't necessarily need to exist as much as they did before. And it's a little bit sad to me, right? right. Because it's those guys and gals that are running those stores that you learn uh, the lion's share, you know, pick up the lion's share of your knowledge because you can right. walk away. Hey, I'm thinking about this hop or whatever. And there, so tell me about like, are, I mean, are we losing some, some of the culture of home brewing uh, with the good old fashioned internet or, or is it actually I, I, making it more available uh, to more so. brewers? I mean, we, we've seen a couple of homebrew shops in Olympia since, since we've been here come and go, but there's one that, um, that has managed to stay solvent even through COVID. Uh, and they've been a huge support for our home brew club. They've been a, a huge support for me as a brewer. And I know, <clears throat> And there's a lot of folks in our area that aren't necessarily in the homebrew club that absolutely depend on this little shop. Uh, it's called Rocky Top Homebrew. It's right over in West Olympia. And uh, is it Dave the brewer in um, Centralia? Uh... Yeah. So it was, it was originally started by Dave Pendleton. Uh, and Dave Pendleton is now head brewer at Dick's Brewing down here in Rochester. Not just, probably not even 15 miles from us, straight across 507. Um, so I think, yeah, probably the internet has had an impact on some folks like the, you know, we had a, another little shop downtown that didn't make it very long. Uh, I can't remember the name Cascadia. of that was Cascadia Home Brew Supply and, and Brewing Company. Um, and there's another one that popped up recently, but I haven't heard too much about it. Uh, Centralia has one that had opened up probably within the last year or year and a half. Um, 
I, I think there are, there's always going to be a certain number of people that aren't comfortable, uh, you know, trying to get their knowledge and goods off the internet. And so they continue to help the brick and mortars survive. Um, I'm sure there's been an impact to some of those places, but geez, Rocky Top, I think, is doing well. Up in Tacoma off of Steel Street is a place called Beer Essentials. They've actually grown since I first started, uh, you know, buying ingredients from them. Um, I don't know. I think I think if you are savvy as a homebrew shop owner and you you pay attention to what's going on in your community, you can you can make a good go of it. Make it work. But I, I wonder yeah. if we if we gained more home brewers uh, th- during the pandemic than existed before. <laughs> I think so. Absolutely. And sourdough so, bakers. And sourdough bakers. Yeah, that's right. It was, I, a, it was I, roughly the same base anyway. Yeah. I belong to a couple of uh, these like uh, pay nothing groups on Facebook and there's, there's a bunch of homebrew equipment suddenly showing up. (laughs) Don't need to do it anymore. I can go up to my local watering hole. I don't need to try to make my own or I give up because I had an explosion in my sink, like Bill Mm -hmm. Fisher. Let's pivot. Uh, I'd like to uh, tell me about, you know, you lived, you grew up, you adulted, uh, during the huge renaissance, if you want to call it that, or huge rise of popularity of Northwest yeah. beer, yeah. Uh, specifically Washington and Oregon. Um, but, you know, all three or four states up here in the upper left um, yeah. are just has some fantastic, fantastic beer. Just w- what excites you about um, beer up here? And w- so, is there some, yeah, keep, go for yeah, it. So much. Um, <clears throat> I think, that, you know, there, there's a few things, you, you know, I'm a judge, I'm a beer judge certified. Right. And, um, I've had a bunch of exposure. Uh, been very, very fortunate to have a lot of exposure to, um, you know, what what brewers in Washington, in particular, are coming up with over the last few years. Uh, I particip- I'm, I'm a judge for the Washington Brewing Awards, um, so um, I, I, it's been two years since we had uh, a Washington Beer Awards judging competition. So I'm a little bit out of, I feel like I'm a little bit out of touch with that part of the community. Uh, but seeing some of that innovation, some of those unique things that people are trying to put in their tap rooms excites me. Um, knowing that in Washington state, we grow a lot of the wheat and a lot of the barley and a lot of like 80% of the country's hops. Um, and knowing that we can really be kind of a localized uh, product excites me. We also have malting available. Yeah, there's a, you know, Great Western Malting down in Vancouver, and then uh, more recently Skagit Malting up in the Skagit area in the, um, you know, the, I forget what it's called. I think, I think Skagit was designated as a uh, beer development zone of some kind, some kind of an economic zone for Washington State. They've gotten that designation. Um, That, the innovation that I'm seeing in the Pacific Northwest is something that excites me. And it comes from everything from people looking at hops that will survive on the west side of the mountains in our sort of damper climate where mold is potentially a problem through people like Skagit, uh, Skagit Valley Malting, who, you know, they, they created a whole new um, kind of malting system, if you will, that they've gotten multiple patents on. And it's a very unique system. So I just think that ingenuity is so so remarkable. If you take a look at some of the even some of the uh, non-beer stuff that's happening 
the distillers uh, like Dry Fly over in Spokane, mm-hmm. where there wasn't a lot of law on the books for opening a distillery. And those guys innovated and figured out ways to work with their local legislators and and either change or write new laws that would allow them to distill in a shop. And sim- we saw similar things in the early days of uh, of craft beer, right? People didn't know. We didn't. We we'd been through nothing had really changed since prohibition, right? In Washington State, you couldn't you until just a few years ago, thanks to the Washington Home Brewers Association, you couldn't transport your your homebrew, you know, across the state to share it with your, you know, my case, my parents. You couldn't do it legally, right? You couldn't do it legally. <laughs> you can get there's always <laughs> ways much trouble, yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> well, it's a yeast sample. <laughs> um, uh, so. But, you know, people finding ways around or ways through or developing new laws to try to make more of this accessible to more people to make and this being craft beer. Right. Um, has been really exciting to watch. So is it something specific to the fact that we can grow pretty much, every, you know, these three or four ingredients is all in most cases um, here in our state that that's, you know, got the craft beer rise over the last 20, 30 years, or is it, is there something about the, the, the dark uh, days and nights that you want to drink? I know, <laughs> you know, how to, uh, because we've had some big brands here before, right? We've had Olympia, yeah. we've had Rainier, like these are national, international brands and others. Yeah. Uh, and I think of even when I was, you know, in the nineties, when Red Hook uh, t- took the big jump, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, founders, I think of uh, one of the original partners, either Starbucks or somebody, when they got bought out, they, they started Red Hook. And uh, right. nobody had ever tasted anything like it. And, right. uh, you know, so there is some, there is some heritage here for sure. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Brands, I, I, can, I can think of like three, maybe four very, um, you know, seminal breweries here in Washington. Beth just, and Beth just mentioned two of them. Uh, Hale's mm-hmm. Ales, right? They started oh, yeah. in, in Colville. Serious? Mike, right? Yeah. Hale started in up, up in Colville uh-huh. and then figured out he wasn't going to be able to do the volume there that he wanted to do before. So he moved his brewery over here and then uh, Grant's down in Yakima, Burt Grant. Oh, wow. Grant's Ales. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's since folded, but he was another seminal brewery here in, in Washington state, right in the heart of Hopland. Um, who else? Uh, Pike's place brewery is, uh, is fairly, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think they've been around. Big time. Well, say, big, say time up in the big time, yeah. Big time. Right. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm not doing justice to a lot of the others, but those are the those are the big names that come to mind for me, right? Folks that really were there inception. And Red Hook was one of them with Ballard Bitters. You remember Ballard Bitters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember going to um Safeway with one of my UW roommates, and it was we, you know, you're really on a budget. So it was like <laughs> I can get this 12 pack MGD Miller genuine draft <laughs> um, or I can get this six pack of Ballard bitters. Right? <laughs> For me, it was Ballard bitters. Well, there, that explains the whole thing. You had a uh, good taste. You know, I, I joke with people, um, uh, my sons that are in college, you know, come to find out. Um, I'm not sure how, if they waited till they're 21 either. Um, <clears throat> but I told them, I said <laughs> that uh, I said, Hey, well, I didn't drink beer in college. I um, just, was kind of a teetotaler. My parents never really had, you know, alcohol or anything like that around. 
And so it wasn't until St. Patrick's Day that I was in my mid-20s that I finally decided I would drink one from the mother country. And so I had a pint of Guinness. And my very first yeah. full beer, now I'd had sips and tastes and different things over the years, but my first full beer was a Guinness. And as you can imagine, it's hard oh, to go back nice. once, once you're there. Yeah. You don't drink yeah. the Keystone out of the golf bag any longer. Right. And that's right. That's that a gateway. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely love Guinness. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, let me, let me, so now uh, what I've noticed, and I wanted to get your comments on this, and then I want to get really focused on the uh, Six Pennies Brewery. Um, but yeah. um, there are some, it seems like there's some styles of beer and flavor profiles uh, over the last few mm. years that are really kind of making, I would call some of it a reemergence because some of the sours and different things that are coming uh, really right. are kind of old world flavor profiles. Am I, is that true? Yeah, Will you yeah. share something on that? Yeah, I think, I, I think that's uh, a good observation. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I do feel a little out of touch having not been at the, at the beer awards judging the last couple of years. Um, but certainly sours were, sours have been reemerging. Um, and, and, you know, different forms of sour, whether we're talking about, um, you know, pure lacto or lactobacillus, uh, sours, or we're talking about things that have been funked up with, uh, Britannomyces, kind of more of that Belgian farmhouse type ale. Uh, <laughs> 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 I heard that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I think, um, yeah, those, those things are seeing a little bit of a, a resurgence and some more appreciation as people sort of evolve their tastes in craft beer, right? And I, I've, I've spent some time thinking about that evolution of the, of the taste buds. If, you, if we talk about what was your gateway beer, right? You, yours was stout. That's a pretty strong flavored beer, actually, to come into craft beer with. But it's kind um, of sweeter. But yeah, it is, it is sweeter. It's not as hoppy. Uh, it, it might have some roast flavors that aren't really accessible to everybody. Um, but heck, that's a pretty legacy beer. Like they've been making Guinness Stout in, you know, in oh, Dublin God. since what, 17 <laughs> something? Yeah, whatever <laughs> whatever the label said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and we visited that brewery. It's, a, it's an amazing place. Um, and they still have their original little uh, edict from whoever was king, right? right in the middle of the floor. Right. But um, that was I, I think over the years I've seen, I've seen stouts kind of come in and out in terms of what, what folks are doing with them. Um, uh, but certainly Belgians and Saisons, I think uh, over the last three to five years have been pretty big here in the US. Pineapple Saison seems like it's, everybody had one of those a couple of years ago. Um, and those are kind of the legacy ones that I can think of. Um, what about Kolsch? I feel like uh, there's a lot of uh, labels that are uh, introducing a Kolsch to the, to the scene. I, I've been seeing a lot more Kolsch lately, but you know, folks like Kolsch and I think had Kolsch and Brewing over, where are they? I'm going to embarrass myself. I can't remember where Kolsch is from. Kolsch and I think Icicle over in Leavenworth. Leavenworth, yeah. They both, both had Kolsch's for, for a while now. Um, but yeah, I, there's, you know, there's a few places making those and Kolsch is a great summer beer. Yeah. Um, I wish that's something that's not, I, that's something actually I've never beered, uh, never beered, never brewed it either. Never <laughs> brewed uh, Kolsch. Never bearded or brewed it. 
Love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fun. There's a lot of cool legacy, I think, in uh, where we live um, and the home yeah. brewer uh, world. I, I've met a few folks up here um, on the side of Seattle um, where like um, that got their teeth cut making home brew. And it, they, you know, maybe right. entered a local event and won an award and somebody said you should give this a go and then they left their phd and decided to go you know start a you know uh, a big brew uh, brew pub or something like that which it sounds like i'm not sure if you're ditching your career or not but tell me about the genesis of six pennies uh brewery pub uh project yeah right now i'm not ditching my uh not ditching my day job i think that's the end goal but it's not that, not that, anytime soon. that was my tongue in cheek yeah. shout out to postdoc brewing in redmond i don't know if you've yeah. ever had their beer but he literally no. called it postdoc because he's a phd and decided that he'd rather make beer for a living and he makes some <laughs> really good beer his scotch ale is like something i've never ever had before it's so good you know my my day do, my day job is is project manager or some people call me a, a professional cat herder uh <laughs> and as, as much as I love people and, and kind of the, the thrill of managing software projects, I really much more enjoy brewing beer. Um, so six pennies. I think I've been talking about owning my own brew pub almost as, almost as long as I've been brewing. Uh, I know one of the first times I made, it, made that statement publicly was um, with some of my night shift co-supervisors. And I, I remember telling them, yeah, I'm going to have a, a brewery that serves barbecue and we're going to have billiard tables and I'm going to call it Fish's Brew and Q. Fantastic name. So, yeah, because I, I, I like puns. I like play on words and I sure. thought Brew and Q was clever. Uh, so that was probably, when were we at? 96, 97. Yeah. Yeah, 96, 97 timeframe. Um, Two of my favorite things. And, and, and I really thought that I was going to be able to ride the high-tech wave of the late 90s and cash out a bunch of options and go do that. Um, you know, I... Uh, didn't work out that way. <laughs> didn't quite work out that way. The company I was working for, you know, we had a sabbatical program. You hit seven years, you got eight weeks of, of uh, leave. And when, <clears throat> when I graduated from grad school, it looked like I was going to be able to have enough you know, if it kept on the trajectory that it was when I graduated, we would have had enough at seven years to be able to go do that and make that dream come true back then. That didn't quite work out, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it was, that's, that was really the genesis of, of owning a brew pub of some kind or a brewery professionally was back then. Um, <clears throat> And I've never really lost sight of that. I've always wanted to have that professional brewery. And then fast forward a few years, uh, I mentioned Headless Mumby in West Olympia. Oh, and you know, we didn't really talk about this, but in terms of old world styles, uh, they're an all lager brewery. Super oh, wow. Unique. I mean, you know, that ties up fermenters, lagering ties up fermenters for quite a while compared to ales. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, um, Keith Chiani and Alex Maffeo, the two guys running that, have done a bang-up job uh, making an all-lager brewery. So I saw them do that, and I was like, "Shoot, you know, I know, I know Alex and Keith. They're 
like uh, salt of the earth kind of guys, <clears throat> and I'm, if if they can get something up and running, what what's holding me back? Why what's keeping me from going off and trying to make this happen? And so we started talking about it and thinking maybe we need to get more serious about this and, and make more of a go of it. I, I had kind of started doing something in 2017, trying to get some plans put together. We'd, we'd been to somebody's wedding out in, in uh, Minnesota where the wedding venue um, was, you know, the, this guy had turned his property into an event center. And I thought, oh, we could have an event center and brewery on our property. It would be self-contained and, you know, we've got space for hops. And this gets me back to that do-it-yourself thing. Right. And um, we got so far as, you know, pre-submission hearing with county. And they basically shot us down. They said, hey, you're, it's going to be too much noise for your neighbors. You don't have enough parking. You're on a well and you're going to have problems with fire, you know, fire suppression in your event center and blah, blah, blah. And so that was kind of my first go at trying to get something established. But, um, you know, then... So that was 2017. At that point, we were a year into the, into, uh, well, about a year into, uh, you know, the 2016 election results. And we started seeing a lot of division, right, between people that previously weren't, weren't divided. Folks that might, you know, they might be able to have disagreements uh, or they might have disagreements, significant disagreements or something, but they could always find some way around that and, and come back and be able to talk to each other. It wasn't vitriolic. It, yeah, it wasn't vitriolic like it became. And that started us thinking about, well, how, how, do you, how do you get around some of that? How do you make sure that your communities sort of stay whole or uh, at least don't don't fracture. fracture too much right beyond the point of repair and um the more that we saw these divisions happening and the more that we saw people having problems you know, appearing to have problems to come together we thought what what if we were to you know to do something about that what would that look like and so um Fast forward a little bit from 17, 18 timeframe and some of those thoughts to late last year, things were, you know, after the, after Biden won, it was as bad as I think it has gotten. Right. And I, in some, in some circles, it's not getting much better, but we really started focusing on how do you build community? How do you, how do you do the real work of making sure people uh, can come back together and, and still be a community <coughs> despite their differences and uh at new year's i don't typically make resolutions but this year i, I do take goals and this year's goal was i'm going to break ground on a brewery uh before the end of the year so that's been kind of the evolution and as we talk more and more about this it's you know beer is definitely a focus of it but i think for us at least Excuse me. This is um, this is a way to build a community gathering place. Rainier hasn't had a tavern. It hasn't had a watering hole where you can go in and just sit down and have a pint with your neighbor. Since I don't know, but way before we got here. Way before we we moved out here in two thousand three, and the tavern was burned down before we got here. And we've heard differing stories. You know, it burned down in ninety seven. No, it burned down in ninety six. No, it was ninety nine. Right. <laughs> so we don't really know when the tavern burned down, but they never rebuilt. And um. 
I just think there's this, this need in the community for a place where folks can come in, uh, let beer be that kind of, that glue, if you will, and have people be able to talk and converse and, you know, maybe have some more dialogue that's face-to-face -face and not over the, the medium of Facebook or the medium of Twitter. Uh, I love it. I was talking to somebody <clears throat> just recently um, who has a coffee and uh, uh, wine company, both uh, Bone Frog Coffee, Bone Frog Cellars, and he's mm. a retired Navy SEAL. And the reason, the impetus for this business was to, um, for the same reason, to uh, to bring people together. Hey, let's meet for coffee. Hey, let's uh, have a glass of wine. Right. Um, and his bigger mission is to tell the stories of vets uh, oh. propel their um What's that? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It's like, hey, these stories. In fact, Bone Frog comes from, you know, the Frogmen, the Navy, you know, and all yeah, that yeah. going in, um, and all of that. But uh, it it's really about telling the story and building community back, um, and yeah. using those two kind of bookends to do so. I love that. I love that. that that's the vision. If if that's the vision, and and the beer tastes good, which it, it undoubtedly will, um, it will be um, something that that community will probably need, and then some. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me about the Founders Club, and then what kind of beer are you going to showcase there, and and that sort of thing. Do you have, what's some of the 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 fun stuff we can look forward to? Yeah. Um, so Founders Club. Um, you, know, you can go to sixpennies.com/store uh, and see what we're offering for Founders Club. Um, if all you remember is sixpennies.com. We got a big button right on the front Six page. Sixpenniesbrewery.com. Thanks, Beth. Um, there's a big button right on the front page to get you out to the founders package. And uh, gonna have to revamp it a little because I had our first meeting with the Washington State Liquor Control Board last night and I found out you can't just give away beer, apparently. There's a there's a law against that. So uh, but we're um, for the first 10 folks that uh, that said they wanted to be a founder. Um, for a thousand bucks, they get you know, two t-shirts, two numbered key fobs, two coasters. And uh, for the first 10, I made these. I've got one right, right behind it. Uh, I, I know this is a podcast. So I'm not sure the video that folks can see, but no, made, we'll, uh, we'll push the info out there. A little, a little uh, growler koozie. Oh my gosh. So we've got a friend that, um, that does laser engraving and I do the leather work. And so... That is fantastic. I would have, I could have used that about four thousand times. Yeah, it's got my growlers. Oh my god, that's awesome! A logo on there. Yeah. We're gonna get a picture of that for sure and share it out with the post. All right. be, that's cool. Um, a couple of, there's a couple of coasters in there. So it's fair to say that this is kind of start, some of your startup capital and a way yeah, to really absolutely. start the community conversation. I, I imagine. Yeah, as well. absolutely. Yeah. We had, um, yeah, I, I handmade all of that, uh, all of that. The laser engraving was done by a friend, but uh, I've done all the sewing and all the pounding. And oh my gosh, things. multiple so, talents. Yeah, DIY man. DIY. Um, so, you know what? What we were offering it was it was going to be, you get a oh, and you get a growler, six pennies growler, uh, in your in your little packet of swag and then in the brewery you'll get two 18 ounce ceramic mugs uh, that are in your own personalized cubbies you'll have your name on the cubbies 
And is this okay that if you, if you don't live in Rainier or near where you guys live, you can still be a part of this? And it's oh, absolutely. On, on yeah. the drive down the highway, we pull over and fill up and they keep going to visit our friends. <laughs> exactly. I mean, is that what happens here? The, the building we're looking at actually has a drive-through window on it right now. So oh, you'll, be awesome. do, you'll be able to, eventually we'll get to the, the store to the point where you can order your beer ahead, come show us your ID at the window, you know, hand us your credit card or your cash. And oh my gosh. That is so great. So the beer that's going to be in these growlers and in these yeah. pint glasses, is this all of, of your beer that you designed or it's going to be rotators or a mix? Um, it's a, we're going to have a mix. We're going to have a total of 13 taps. Uh, 12 of those will be CO2. One's going to be nitro. So we'll always have something on, on a nitro offer. Um, nine of the recipes are going to be, or nine of the taps are going to be dedicated to our recipes things that I've been brewing over the years. That is and, awesome. Uh, we'll, our, our buddies, I keep talking about Headless Mumby. They make uh, a light lager. It's called uh, Local 66 Lager. That is just, a, it's a, you know, very straightforward, very accessible Pilsner um, that a lot of folks are going to like. A lot of folks do like. They sell bundles of that lager to the point that um, they recently replace one of their seven barrel fermenters with a 15 barrel so they can try to keep up on production. So that's going to be on perpetual tap in our tap room. <clears throat> then we'll have a rotating tap where we're really showcasing people up and down, you know, the 507 corridor and the 99 corridor and try to keep it. We'll, we'll start out primarily with Thurston County brewers, <clears throat> Got it. probably reach out into, uh, what is it? Uh, Lewis, uh, Pacific and uh, Pierce just to, to try to give some variety to, to folks that haven't been able to get a, you know, a draft beer in their hometown for years. That is and so then, cool. Um, we'll also have a cider. So we'll be featuring Washington, Washington ciders in the, in the tap room. That's so. a beautiful thing. So you, you'll find the space and uh, you're going to basically take your recipes and then do the math to expand it to the big tanks. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. oh, I love yeah, it. And uh, so, you know, right now I'm, I'm, Thinking the flagships are probably going to be a Northwest IPA, uh, our oatmeal stout, what you just saw me drink in there, and uh, a pale ale. Those will probably always be on tap. And then, you know, we have some others that uh, we'll row to. They'll typically be a half of bison. In the summer, we'll have strawberry or blueberry half of bison. Um, I remember when we were writing about beer all the time. Are you going to have a pumpkin ale in the fall? <laughs> We would, we were, we're going to have to do a seasonal pumpkin ale. Yeah. As long as I don't have uh, I don't think my pumpkin ale tastes like Dr. Pepper. So <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some out there that just, yeah, it just yeah. Doesn't, doesn't work that well. Um, yeah. But I love, I love the enthusiasm, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, what makes your spot different was a question I wanted to ask, but I think you covered it. I think the community aspect, bringing people together, especially in such a, a, a ranker uh, world that we live in right now. Um, you know, so much, um, I think, reconnection, uh, friendships, uh, business partnerships, and so forth, and even romance can happen over a pint. I really believe that right. because yeah. it's happened historically for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, and my Irish friends uh, and my Irish heritage would definitely appreciate that conversation as well. Um, I love it. Community. Um, your own beer featuring other beers from Thurston County, uh, some of your friends, you know, maybe even some mentors or whatever, uh, you know, also playing yeah. a role in this. 
Um, can people become a part of this Founders Club and, and, and like right now, or is this oh, yeah. is this on a delay? Or yeah. okay, no, it's right. It's open right now. We've been open for when did we go live with the uh-huh. website? But probably about a month ago. Yeah, beginning of June. Um, we have our first fifteen founders. We just got our first non-friend founder last night. That was really exciting. Somebody from the community from uh, the next town over uh, went online and they ordered their founders package. That's We've never met them before. Cool thing about them, I, uh, you know, I always like these kind of small, it's a small world type connections. So, you know, my dad was uh, a union worker. He was an electrician for the railroad. He started in Hilliard. But he, that was his first rail yard that he worked in. Um, And uh, this guy is IBEW. So he's International Brotherhood of Electrical Electrical Mm -hmm. Workers. We couldn't be more excited to have somebody that just heard about us, you know, through like a Facebook post or an Instagram post and then came out and ordered a founder's package. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's how it's going to make it work, right? um, What I found is that uh, sometimes people can get excited round one just to support their friends. Right. Uh, And then after that, you're going to have to get some real, you know, some some customers that want to continue to you know, to show up because they're not there because, you know, of your good looks, Bill. They're, right. they're there because the beer tastes really good too. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Will you uh, feature food or is that uh, a yep. food truck or how are you guys going to do that? No, you, you remember I talked about fishes <laughs> brewing queue. Say hi to, say hi to storm. I do. Hi storm. <laughs> so remember I talked about fishes brewing queue. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the location that we, that we're looking at is a diner here in Rainier. Sony's diner. Um, it's got a full kitchen in it. So we will be providing our, our own food. We're gonna we're gonna revamp that menu. Her her menu is this uh, you know eclectic mix of Asian and American dishes. Not we're fusion. gonna we're gonna it's not fusion. It's Asian or American. Or American. So we're we're gonna refocus that. We're gonna come in and, and scope it to look just at barbecue. And so you know pulled pork sandwiches, oh, beef word. brisket, ribs, uh, you know burnt ends. Uh, well, your grandfather, right? Bill, isn't Gramps barbecue sauce? Is that literally uh, your grandfather, or is that your dad? No, is that just a mark? That's what is my that? dad. So that, that's that recipe, dad. the original recipe is my dad's recipe. Um, and yeah, back in 2007, so four, 14 years, honey, we've been making Grandpa Bill's 14 years. Longer than that, but commercially, 14 years, we've been making Grandpa Bill's barbecue, barbecue sauce, and that will be featured in the in the brew pub. It sure better be. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love this. Oh my gosh. So this dream that you've had since you lived in the U district. Yeah. Rough, you know, what is that? 25 plus years, 30 years, yeah, maybe 30 years. Wow. And it's coming to fruition, a little different name, a little different location, Yeah. but it's still going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's cool. How can people become a part uh, in addition is, and is it just to get on your email newsletter and become a founder and you'll let us, let us know or tell what else yeah, can we so do? The Founders Club is there for everybody to, to buy into, but also the blog. If you just want to see what we're doing, I'm, uh, I, you know, I've always liked doing the writing thing. So I'm, I'm trying to keep up weekly um, on a blog where we just talk about, I just talked about what, what I accomplished the last week, what kinds of, you know, hoops I had to jump through or what kinds of forms we had to fill out, you know, what sorts of research we're doing. And, and oh my gosh, Mike, the research is amazing. I, I'm learning so much trying to prepare for, you know, this, uh, trying to prepare a business plan really. And um, we, I've got one that's probably about 75% written, but you really, when you start looking for financing, 
I talked when I talked to the banker last week, he's like, you need a lot of detail in there. Like we, we want to know what sort of floor covering you're going to buy, what color it's going to be in the brand name. They want to know that you thought through every possible thing and every yeah. possible expense yeah. and you have a backup to the backup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, been those kinds of updates are what you're going to see on the blog and you can go out to sixpenniesbrewery.com slash blog. And at the bottom of the page, there's a little uh, sign up for new blog posts subscription box. You just give us your email and click subscribe. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I hate getting the junk emails. I hate getting spam, right? I only want stuff that I want. Right. And so <clears throat> if you visit, we're not going to grab your email and start sending you stuff. You have to go out there and actively opt in by giving us your email. And then I'm not going to send you more emails. It's when I do a blog post, you get an update. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And the goal is if, uh, if the building works out, and then, of course, there, there's probably going to be some reno uh, involved. Yeah. Uh, but could yeah. you potentially, are you still on track to maybe break ground by, as we're halfway through 2021? Is it is it still possible? Yeah. Or a lot of things have to land probably pretty good. Our feasibility period ends uh, August 26th. Um, so when we made the offer that was, it was and it was accepted, the, that was May 26th. And so we're a little bit on, uh, you know, a little bit of a clock uh, or, you know, timer running against us here um and then that gets us the building i you know talking with my architect who by the way is a, a friend from junior high guy i've known my whole life you know okay uh, i'm gonna come back to that in a second because i, I want to talk a little bit more about that we didn't we haven't explained that to you but um we i think we'll be able to break ground on construction this year still uh that's fantastic uh, yeah, he's, he's working on the floor plan for, for me this weekend, just a rudimentary one that I need for the brewer's notice to be able to get that from TTB, from alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Um, and he'll have that for me by the end of the weekend. And uh, that, that should get us on a track to be able to, to start moving dirt come uh, hopefully December, no later. So you have your day job and then this is all the night work or the lunch break phone calls and emails it, to send. Exactly. You nailed it. <laughs> lunch breaks <laughs> lunch breaks and uh, mini breaks and yeah after work i jump on the computer and start responding to emails yeah i love it so i, I mentioned um i mentioned my buddy mitch uh who who's working on this with us a you know junior high friend got another friend that i've known since high school who's our kitchen consultant and helping us get the dining piece of it put together um uh, you know, of course, there's the, the brewing community, Alex and Keith, whenever I have questions uh, about you know, how did you do this or how did you do that? Where did you get your walk in? You know, I can shoot a text over to those guys. Uh, there's an, another brewery in downtown Olympia, Wellhouse 80. The head brewer there is Paul Pearson. Just last week, I, I was asking Paul questions about his graph system. So he's like, hey, just come on by and copy and paste mine. You know, you can take pictures of all this stuff and um and know what you're gonna have to spec out so uh you know we're we're very much relying on community already and i think it's just going to be a continuation of that so you asked about people getting involved we haven't figured out like the equity founder but we've talked about maybe a friend of the brewery type approach and you know come down and spend i don't know 10 hours or 20 hours painting and become a friend of the brewery and we'll figure out some perks Right. I so, think that that's a fun way to do it. I mean, especially yeah. since in the DNA of 
of what you're creating here is to bring people back together. I mean, any way that you can do it, plus get some right. discounted labor. Uh, and I'm sure you'll make everybody, um, you know, provide plenty of beverages um, <laughs> as people do the work. <laughs> by the end, the hammer, you just don't, don't get anybody any hammers by the end. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love that. Well, uh, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to add as uh, we kind of wrap this part up? No, I, I other than I'm really uh, thankful and grateful that uh, you invited us to come do this. I haven't, you know, we haven't talked since that, uh, like face to face like this, since that lunch we had back in Pioneer Square. Yeah. So, that's been a couple of years ago. Deli- it has been. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I need to get back to drinking. I've tried to not drink as much beer lately. It doesn't do as well for um, my good looks. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, but there's there's times where that's all, and especially working now that we have this little farm and I try to spend, um, you know, my weekends is doing stuff around there. Yeah. There's nothing like having a pint, you know, and uh, if there's a way to, um, you know, bring some of your beer up the road at some point, that would be a yeah. lot of fun. That would be a kick. Um, you know, I think Beth, her, one of her goals is to try to get more of a hobby farm approach to our little piece of land down here in Rainier, potentially do some, you know, provide some of the greens and, and veggies that we're serving in the restaurant. And so I think, you know, there, there might be another podcast and have YouTube Abs- your experiences and you know what she's looking to do. So. Absolutely. Yeah. We're doing beef pigs and uh, chickens and a huge garden. We actually just put the name out on our farm. We're Lake Joy Farmstead. Oh, so we're cool. Incarnation. Yeah, I'll send you some information about it. And um, right now it's just uh, going to be, it hasn't even, we haven't done it yet, but we're, we just agreed to put a cooler out by our sign. We live off kind of a road and people can kind of, you know, Venmo us a few bucks in exchange for, you know, some salad greens or something like that. That's what we'll right. do for now. And we'll get to a point where people can buy kind of out of our freezer a little bit more like some of the other farms are doing. Um, and then of course the big picture stuff is the, you know, uh, shares of, um, of beef and things like that. It's really right. fun. Awesome. Oh, so you're a source of beef. Well, <laughs> probably not to the level that you're going to need for the briskets you're going to cook. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do know some people that are raising a lot of really good beef uh, with all the right, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for with all the, uh, um, I can't even think of it, but anyway, with doing all the right things, let's just put it that way. And, uh, it's really, really good stuff. And to me, just so we're clear, brisket is the definition of whether, uh, somebody has their chops and barbecue and my, opinion. <laughs> I feel like you can hide things in pulled pork. I feel like yeah. you, you know, ribs, you know, that's pretty cool too. And, and I love it all. Eat it all. Right, right brisket is king yes it could be by i'm biased because i love my cows but there you go nice all right guys well thank you um i told you to keep it under an hour and that was a lot of fun i'll probably follow up with you in an email or two yeah um, i'll do some post-production here and i'll let you know when i share it. it'll be a few weeks because all the others that are sort of in the can as, as they say okay. um okay. i try to release a new one every thursday awesome yeah yeah for sure all right. all right. Say hi to the family too. We'll do. Great chat. Right. Take care, guys. Same. You Bye. too. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of Irish Mike's podcast. Thank you so much for supporting me, and don't forget to subscribe and rate on your favorite platform. This podcast can be found on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast apps. And I would love it if you gave me a five star rating. If you like what you hear, feel free to share with a friend. 
Thanks again for listening.